Hello, this is the Blast Report podcast on all things blasting. My name is Evan Tebow with New Wave Consulting, and I want to thank all the Drill and Blast teams along with those supporting them who are out there on the pattern. The production team at Blast Think and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of the Blast Report podcast. And we end the last podcast and we go into, uh, I guess, you know, another episode here is, um, you, you know, that Tristan and how what where that plays into and you you mentioned oh that's something we didn't talk about on the first episode and so so just go into there and and how you guys not only work together foster each other's careers grow an entire program but it's also entirely in the family as well right oh yeah yeah and uh tristan just to let you guys know uh, most of the guys know my son tristan uh Okay, he's the third Worsey, right? Tristan <laughs> Worsey. And, um, you know, I'm real proud of the guy, but, um, man, he was always trying to outdo me as a kid, right? <laughs> and he'd do something, you know, I've got a reputation for being pretty crazy, right? That is true. Uh, and, and I've got this sense of humor that is just sometimes, sometimes you, you have a opportunity, right, that's just too good to yeah. place, right? And uh, so he's always trying to outdo me. And at one point, I said, Nah, okay, Tristan, you beat me because I can <laughs> see where this was going to go. If we if we let it go any further, <laughs> I I had to succumb to it, right? Because it was it was just getting a little bit too far gone. <laughs> but Tristan, okay. He was out, I think it was with uh, Braden Lusk, okay, who's president of the moment of uh, Dino Americas. And I, uh, executive. Yeah, he's also the ISCE uh, president mm-hmm. and a uh, great guy. He used to be, I only actually taught him as a student. He was one of my professors, and it was everyone always kind of said protege. You know, he was yeah. he's your protege, uh, right? So, um, we really, I mean, this guy is one of the I think the best student I've ever had. And, uh, okay, he's just a fantastic guy, uh, real fun. And uh, we clicked so well that I had him as my uh, TA in a blasting class before he graduated. And then he said he was always going to come back and overthink it. And I go, Anna, he's going to be off in industry. And yeah, I'm going to do a PhD. And one day I got the phone call. Hey, it's Braden. I'm, I'm going to come back and do a PhD. Okay. Go, when are you coming? He goes, two weeks. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so I went, okay. Right. Uh, so I had him as a graduate student as well and uh, worked really well as a, as a team together, which is probably going to need to have him on this podcast. So, anyway, well. so he's seen. He will never have the time. No, <laughs> that's true. Time, yeah. That's so, true. Uh, he, because <laughs> he's a busy dude. Um, he saw Tristan come up, and it was always the big joke about Tristan and me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, father and son, and, and how we were so similar but dissimilar, right? And it was always this competition going on. 
So he was off with Carl Perry, who was also one of my students, right? Um, so, and there with Tristan. And I can't remember where it was now, but I heard all the story about it. So they're walking down the street or doing things and, and uh, right to go, oh, and now my nickname, okay, is Peter, right? P words. Yeah, Peter, Peter. yeah. And Jill's nickname is Jida, mm-hmm. right? So the two of them walking down the street with Tristan, Tristan will say something and then uh, Brayden will say, oh, that's Peter, right? Yeah. And then he'd say something else and then Carl would say, that's Jida. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah. What does he say that ends up being more her, her, more mom? Yeah, is that more like my mom, more like my my dad? They were picking up all these things, so hopefully he's got the the best characteristics of the mix of you. Doing great, so it's it's. And that's now him being T Dub. Yeah, he's T Dub. And there's definitely some T Dub things there too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and so. You know, grow, growing up as a kid, that's something that I've always noticed now here, and I guess I could talk about, and um, he, I'll interview him on what it was like growing up at these, <laughs> you know, and, and growing up and and being a part of this is, is probably an interesting thing, and there's so many people in this industry who are multi-generation yeah. blasters or mining guys and yeah. and I, I i had no idea that that's the case right there's mm-hmm. uh, uh my my father's a is a ski instructor and it was chef you know back in the day and my mom's a uh, an rn so i had no clue what was going on right and i come in here and they're like oh that's paul Worsey's son and i remember uh I don't know, I probably shouldn't tell this story without him being here, but it was one of the funniest things, and he was gone. He was in Australia, and he'd come back, and so I just finally really got to got a chance to, to meet him, and there was someone from HR of a, of a very large company who came in and started, gave a presentation on how to hire and what students should be doing and shouldn't be doing to get jobs with this very large company, and... uh and Tristan just comes back from Australia, old tan, long hair, you know, and he's like, hey, that's Paul's son, you know, and people all talk about him. I don't know him yet, but he's in the back of the room. And, and this lady goes on and on this whole time about how you can't have photos of, on social media of you do, of drinking or doing anything. You can't, you, you have to, you have to be so well behaved on your social medias and everything. And she hardly even talked about the company, hardly even talked about explosives and mining, just started ranting on, you know, how your Facebook, it was at the, you know, at the time, how your Facebook shouldn't have this, you know, it's a bad image and all these things. And then at, so she goes, does anyone have any questions? And, and your son raises his hand and he goes, at what point do you look at our resumes? <laughs> and she, she, oh man, it was so funny. Everyone laughed. And, and he, then he described, he's like, well, I mean, in all reality, if I can maintain that work level, and have whatever kind of fun I have in my social life, 
and then and, and still be high performing in my career life you're looking at the wrong resume of somebody you know this is for this this is with my friends and who i am in the background but if i can entirely be as successful in the work aspect and you know so he not only did he say it in the in the nice sarcastic <laughs> p-dub way but he followed it up with the g-dub way you know? <laughs> and it was pretty awesome like i, I thought that was pretty funny yeah. and and when it comes and now like tristan you, you know your son is he's off and he's doing his own thing and you know he's moving to australia and things like that and now have you like when it comes down to being the, the the mom and dad and then also in the industry you know he learned at some of the, your big bonfires to big bonfire and firework <laughs> days right so he yeah. learned he learned how to tie in a squib at a at, you know at the at, at home like with you know as part of the family um you think that uh like what what's some maybe story there or talk about uh you know how what was it like also did did you try to push him into explosives no or no that's what i'm saying that's what i'm no not at all right yeah do you want to help that one chill with him when you asked him what he wanted to do i i don't remember that you do you asked him what did he wanted to do and he he's like well he goes uh Dad travels all over the world. I oh, don't yeah. like the idea of travel, so I think I'll do what Dad does. So um, I think when you went back, we were talking about, uh, you know, there's a lot of families in this business, right, where you've got your father, son, and stuff like that are in the same profession. I think maybe... Mother, daughter with the yeah, guys at HTA, right? Yeah, maybe it's right, not... Yeah. Maybe it's not that people are following the parents, but okay they're you know exposed to it where as you said when you started off man there's a place you can blow dick shit up right you know there's a there's a degree and and that was an eye opener to you right so mm -hmm. if you don't know about that and a lot of people coming out of high school you know the only thing they've ever seen is 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 chemistry right and they all want to become chemical engineers right mm -hmm. and chemical engineering is basically the antithesis of of explosives i was told it's a it's chemical plumbing <laughs> yeah but a chemical engineers are there to make things sure things don't blow up <laughs> if they things blow up it's a very very bad day but same with rocket scientists right that did almost the same as us but if they if they screw it up it detonates and if we screw it up it deflagrates right yeah that's right. <laughs> and, and people say to us well you know uh what would you do if you had an explosion i've been asked this at the university and and we go by the safety people we go yay mm -hmm. we'll start hollering and having a good time and they look shocked at us and that's because and i say if it doesn't go boom people start crying and you know very very disappointed yeah <laughs> So, and, and you're yeah. talking about getting people to understand that this is an option and a career and make that decision. That's funny you bring that up. Actually, tomorrow I'm going back to my high school for career fair oh, no. and going to talk about talk about, um, you know, the, the industry. And it's uh, it's funny because 
you know, I only knew about it because that one newspaper article of, of you with a tamping rod, you know, tamping down a um, like a three inch uh, shell for a fireworks show on the university. No, it wasn't. It was a small, small shell. But um, and I got to see that. And so I said, you know, they, there was a career fair that I went to at my high school and they said, oh, what, you know, we went around the room and you said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I, I want to blow stuff up. Obviously, everyone laughs, right? And they're like, oh, ha, 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 you know. But I don't even know who the guy was. But the guy said, uh, then do it, yeah. you know. And I was like, huh? You know, everyone kind of stopped laughing. He was like, do it. Like, that's, you can do it. Like, that's the career. If yeah. That's, you know, like, it's not, you don't have to pigeon your whole, or pigeonhole your, your, uh, a kid's career into doing what you want them to do, but they'll start to see that passion and want to follow in 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 that direction if they can, you know, do what they want, do what to, they do. want to do. And that's that's very important. And you know, to kids out there, if anybody's listening to or somebody that's in a position they want to change the job, um, having a job that you really enjoy. Um, Okay, it's worth taking a slight pay cut for. That's okay, a fact. Uh, because uh, it's great. Um, and you have a fantastic time, right? And uh, that's that's super. But here's my advice I always give to the students, right? And uh, it's maybe this is not politically correct, but <laughs> if, you have, if you work for an asshole, right, what you need to do is go out there and find the best paying asshole you can <laughs> and go work for them because an asshole's an asshole but you get financial compensation for working for an asshole and it, it's a simple that and then uh okay if you like going skiing at the weekend you can go and fly somewhere and go skiing for the weekend right it's mm -hmm. simple as that mm -hmm. um, but you know you're getting paid for what you do and uh if it's uh not a great job you need to be compensated better for it mm -hmm. and that's what it all falls down i got um i got offered a, a gig in the gobi desert <laughs> and it was like that's interesting um and it was, it was supposed to be i think i was going to be the the, sha the production manager of sinking the shaft to what would be the world's largest gold mine and there's not too many people that sink shafts yeah you know and so if that was on my resume that would be pretty premier thing to have on your resume and so i was like i'll, I'll consider moving to the gobi desert you know i was like doing a lot of research on what it's like to live in mongolia <laughs> you know and uh what kind of cheese do they have there? Like weird things, <laughs> you know? And uh, um, and then I find out it's one of like the poorest countries in the world, but because it doesn't have a food shortage, no one knows about it. You know, it's like the se second poorest. But, but the reason I brought it up was because they were like, yeah, here's the job offer. And it was like, like three, something like three months on, 20 days off you know and i was like oh excuse me <laughs> and then they said uh yeah three months on like 20 days off you have uh like you have your 
like a weekend off every other week, but you're staying at the camp. No, you have weekends, but you're staying at the camp in the Gobi Desert. And then I was like, and how much are you paying me <laughs> to spend the early part of my 20s? Yeah, but you've uh, the privilege to work it to, to, to live in a yurt. Yes. And then... Uh, no, it would have been a sea can. It would have been a glorified sea oh, can. But the, the well, pay wasn't even... I don't know, there. because I've I, had some of my present, uh, my, some of my past students have been out there uh, on greenfield uh, operations. They've lived in yurts. And, and I would do that. Then you get to play polo with the locals with animal parts. Right? <laughs> yeah, and have a, have a pet falcon. No, but they were not willing to pay me. Like, it was hardly even a pay increase. And I'm like, guys, I, I live very comfortable in America. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I'm very privileged, you know, in what I, you know, in, in pretty much any job in the explosives industry, it, it's long hours and a lot of work, uh, probably high stress, but I think it, it pays well. Yeah. It's, it, um, and it, and there's also emotional reward with yeah. pressing the button as well. Right. I oh, met a guy last night. He said, there's a joy of pressing the button for a living but the joy that you really get when you see someone press the button for the first time and you see the smile on their face that's even more that's even yeah. more you know and and lot most of the time i never get to press the button but whenever i go to board i go to brazil uh, i was in an underground coal mine and they said, hey, you want to help load this shop? Because I just give a short course. I said, yeah. And they're all really excited because they've never seen a professor load a hole before. <laughs> like, I'm loading holes real quick. And they're going, oh, you know, yeah, you want to shoot it? And I go, hell yeah. So, uh, and I get the, you know, the pleasure of, you know, when I go out on these shoots, they'll let me shoot. And uh, usually before when I was at the university, it's, unless I'm doing some research, it's always always uh, students in class get to shoot stuff. And Stu like students get to shoot and I've heard so many stories of, um, you know, bringing your family to bring your family to work day, you know, or if you've got a, a customer that's not happy, that's what we talked about. And one of our guests on the podcast, um, Mike Kaler, he, he yeah. says, you know, he, he was uh, talking about a big project where he let someone press a button, but it's uh it's interesting. A friend of mine said that when we grow up, we would go to the shooting range, and it was my friend's father, and I just saw him for the first time in quite a few years, and he's like, "Are you still doing that explosives thing? You still blowing stuff up, you know?" And they never seem to understand civil explosives and stuff. They just say blowing stuff up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing that." And and he goes, "Then we talked about how we used to go shooting at the." the shooting range and whatever we would go shooting at, I didn't really care if we were hitting it at the time because it was just the, that, you know, it was the joy of that. And he yeah. says, you really did like pulling the trigger. <laughs> 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 right. And, and so it, it's, it's so cool to, to see, um, to see that. And, you know, I, I know we, we kind of got off topic here on, on, on this episode, but it's, uh, there's there's just so much to be said about getting people into this business and the joy that's involved in whether or not you come you come from you come from a family that does blasting yeah uh, 
or you just just got into it right and that's really cool that Tristan made the decision on his own to do that and you guys gave him that opportunity to yeah. say hey well, what what do you guys want to do and uh, it's great so you know this has been a fantastic conference for me here this 49th the International Society of Explosive Engineers uh, blasting conference um, out of the papers uh, was it 19 of the papers had authors or co-authors uh, which were my students or wow. students of the program okay uh, the guy got the best paper award he was actually on explosives camp one of the kids that was on explosives really yeah. who was that uh, Mark Herman Mark Herman after you okay Braden Lusk okay he's the president and then Tristan in this issue of the the journal of explosive engineering mm -hmm. the science journal he's got a paper in there one of the two papers that in the this issue of the uh, journal it's handed out the conference so you know it's, it's been great and all my old students bumping into all the people i know over the years it's just been fantastic and i, I just feel so great and i I can't tell people enough how much, how great that feeling is that you're part of something that's grown and uh, you're proud of how it's turned out. You know, when I first started off, Hercules had these pamphlets on how to blast. And uh, some of the stuff in there was, is 180 degrees different to the way we teach it these days. And uh, so, the whole industry's come on fantastically, and uh, like the rule of thumb, like there was too many, like these old school rule of thumbs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, no, but they still use. It's a good starting place. Oh, okay, but okay, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, people got to understand that not everybody wants the same thing out of plastic, right? Mm -hmm. Some people want big rocks. Some people want small rock. There's no way you can use one equation for all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You've got a starting true. place, uh, and that's a good starting place, but you need then know, know this is what works, and this is what I'm going to do to tailor it to my requirements. And then you, you've always got a little bit of experimentation there um, to get exactly where you want. But... And so so they had this, this, the blasting, this pamphlet on how to do something, and now, you know, you guys oh. have a a family and then also you got nathan rouse you know tristan's yeah neighbor yeah. next door or you know pretty much best friend he gets into it gets comes and gets a phd right yeah yeah he was the first master's student he was the first Graduate. master's student yeah, yeah. he's the first master's graduate. going back to the old virtualish thing it was they had joints and they had joints at angles they weren't 90 degrees and then what they said on that pamphlet is you drilled across the X, okay, and you blasted so it came out on the, the big chunk side. And that was the most efficient way to blast. And, and that's completely wrong. Because <laughs> what we want to do if, if, if you want a great shot uh, is shoot so the back are either parallel to or perpendicular to the main joint set 
and then you get beautifully clean faces, and then you don't got this raggedy ass shit face. But God knows what the burden is when you put your hole, and then you're going, oh, and I have to move this hole on the front row, and and it, it just becomes an, uh, a mess. But I don't know if you saw it on some of those shots on the video roundup. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they had what one. what a level that they, they escalated to. Yeah, they had one where they shot a triangular shot instead of a square shot. Yeah, I saw it. And that... you know the reason why? They were swinging their face around the best blasting direction, which is either parallel to the main joint set or perpendicular, so you cut them straight across it. And that way you don't get a zigzaggy face. You get a nice smooth face. Your first row set up. That was a aerial shot directly above in a nice slow motion to That's see right. each row went off. Yeah, that you could tell everyone. There was a, that was a, a long video, but it only needed one shot in that video, and that was it. Yeah, but you that, know, it could have been that could have been a twenty-second video, but that was nice. What people probably missed was it was a triangular shot. Right, it was a pyramid. Was, it they was, were swinging it round to the best direction for shooting. You could, yeah, actually you could say, really see that. Wow. Yeah, well, we understand now. Because when you mine somewhere, um, the only time you need to blast, perfect, uh, blast a line to your property boundaries is when you get there. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if you've got a, if you've got a shot, where, uh, a mine where you've got a, a bad direction and a good direction, okay, or multiple bad directions and multiple good directions, it, it makes sense to blast in the good direction. And then finally, when you get to the property boundary, then swing it around. Okay, so. so when and, and um, if if you take that and you know I know there's there's a lot of issues with pre-split and you were mentioning earlier that that was pretty that was a lot to do with what your very first thesis was right was pre-split yeah. blasting and and stuff like that. Do you want to go into into that like do you want to talk about your very first project and how you guys worked on like you know it, it was pre-split and that's a line that's a line right you have to shoot to the property yeah. line yeah. and you have to establish establish your high wall do you want to talk yeah. about what you guys well, found out then and is it still relevant you know that many years later in the industry yeah so what it boils down to was autocad and then there's real life Right. Mm -hmm. So somebody draws something in AutoCAD, it looks always perfect. I mean, your holes are exactly the right place, they're exactly the right angle. It, it, it's a technical drawing, but then there's reality and you get out in the field. And can you do it exactly the same as in, in the in the drawing? Or how about your crew? Okay, are they trained up and knowledgeable enough to understand how to do it like it's in the drawing? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that is... Uh, understanding geology, that's a big thing. So you've got to understand the rock you're blasting. If you don't understand the rock you're blasting, um, okay, Mother Nature will bite you. It's as simple as that. Um, I just yep. remember with Jill, um, every year I go, oh, can I get some uh, chocolates for for uh, for a birthday, right? <laughs> and she's just dying laughing here at the moment. But, and uh, this is beat up, right? So I go, oh, I'll get us some dark chocolates. I like dark chocolates as well. <laughs> what are you doing giving me dark chocolates? Right? I don't like dark chocolates. I like milk chocolates. 
At least it happened every year, right? Because, hey, I'm Peter, right? <laughs> my mind's somewhere else. And then this one year I gave a dark chocolates and I said, <laughs> I said, what? And she goes on at me about these dark chocolates. And I go, oh, who is it that liked dark chocolates? And I go, oh, it's my mother. And that was the one. I didn't get steak dinner that night let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> but since then you stopped buying dark chocolates that's right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was someone else very important in my life uh, yes yeah, <laughs> so, the wrong one <laughs> you know when you're working with mother nature you have to cajole with mother nature certain things that mother nature doesn't want to do and, and geology is that that big one there um so we're up in Highlands of Scotland at that time that was 20 million dollars no, 20 million pounds, and this was in the late 70s, of claims, excess claims on uh, rock excavation uh, per turn uh, that were directly linked to blasting. Wow. And uh, back then, how, ma how, many, how, many, how many million? Pound back then. Okay. Uh, so that was 80, $80 million. Back then. And that was in the 70s, so. Jeez, I don't know how many times we're going to multiply that, but but, yeah. but I'm saying it's well over a quarter of a billion or a third of a billion dollars in in today's money, right? Because mm. uh, you've got to you know uh, bump it up there. So uh, that was that was a big deal, and uh, I had to find out what they were doing out there um, in the in the Highlands of Scotland on this big contract going through the mountains, A9 uh, realignment from uh, Calvin to Aviemore, mm -hmm. and uh, right through the, the the worst of the mountains. Very, very dangerous road. They were putting in dual carriageway road, but they had to have two roads at the slight separation because of the mountains, right? And uh, it was one of the first big mountain projects that they had in the UK, in Scotland. And... Uh, it, it was quite something, and the geology did have a big play. The other thing that was the problem is the guys who were doing it didn't know what pre-split blasting was. And uh, a lot of times they were shooting it after the main blast, so it was just smooth walling uh, instead of on the first delay of the blast, right? Or shooting it beforehand and then drilling and blasting the main blast. And um, the main blasts were using vertical holes and the pre-splits were all at angle. And a lot of the guys have got no idea of 3D view of it. So you'd walk on the surface and they'd be drilling vertical holes all the way up to pre-split plane line, line to within maybe about four foot pre-split plane. And the pre-split plane was dipping at about 70 degrees, so all these main blast holes were being drilled straight through the pre-split plane. <laughs> and the only way, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to see a pre-split, right? Um, and other places, the rock was, uh, there was bad directions, and so it ended up breaking to the natural joints, the sishposity and uh, made very zigzag uh, cuts. Other places, 
if you cut that rock with a diamond sword, it wouldn't have stood up before. And people just didn't realize that. It didn't when, matter when what you, was when happening. You, when you blast using explosives, it breaks things, right? <laughs> it doesn't glue things together. <laughs> you can't use explosives to glue things together, right? And they, they just didn't quite understand that one. So there was very, very poor. I went on that project and I thought, oh, this is, man, there's a lot of engineering here. They got 78 degree slope and they got like 72, I can't remember. Some of them had half degrees in them. And I thought, man, some these people have been doing this rock mechanics work on it. And, um, you know, I was just a PhD student at the time. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, someone's been doing some real engineering on this. And then I, the more cuts I saw, the same numbers kept on popping up. And uh, I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm seeing the same numbers. So I started plugging them into my calculator, right? the basic scientific calculator back then and, and uh, they would just start to come out you know whether cheap enough to buy and uh, I was plugging in the tangents mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it was a slope ratio it was like one in two one in three one in four one in five and I'm going oh crap the people who are designing this are quantity surveyors they're balancing cut and fill. There's no rock mechanics or anything taken into consideration of geology. It was a bunch of quantity surveyors that mm. were doing all the design work. In. So they were just simply letting the they were they were looking at survey work instead of saying what where is the joint and spacing and the strike and dip of this actual rock? Yeah, there was and no... maybe it needs to be turned a little bit, or maybe that amount of rock needs to be pulled to a certain distance yeah That's... so all the slope design was based on cut and fill and that was it mm. there was no engineering real engineering design to it. and that was that was your that was your thesis that you guys worked on back at newcastle well yeah Oldcastle. so my work was to find out what went wrong <laughs> okay so they could redo specs and stuff like that for the next project um but you know the geotechnical factors affecting the application of pre-split blasting to rock slopes was was uh what i wrote my thesis up on which that, was portions though and now okay so now that was how many years ago <laughs> okay don't have to say a number 78. okay started in 78 i came came here in 81 it was all finished and everything and now how do you see oh, yeah, some you new papers? Uh, you know, you see all these new papers and your students promoting pre-splitting and, yeah. and this practice. And I remember I had a project where they were really worried about the vibrations uh, on, on the high wall, but they were production blasting all the way up to the high wall. Mm -hmm. And they would refuse. And I was only in the industry about one year when I went and, and uh, talked to them. I was like, why are you guys not doing buffer trim and pre-splits if you're so worried about this eye wall they're like well there's a lot of vibration that happens with this pre-split because it was oh, yeah, yeah. you know deck cord and and so they were only looking at the vibration they weren't even looking at the insane amount of gas that was propagating into their high wall and just destroying it or or anything yeah. like or even shooting in the right direction and so i'm sitting here like 
scratching my head and I called you back up after one year of being in the industry. I said, Paul, I just told these guys they need to do this, 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 and this and everything. And then they said they had a meeting with Golder, I think, or you know, one of these very large consulting companies. And, and this guy with 50 years of experience comes in. He says, I'm wrong. And I'm like, am I wrong? And you're just like, we didn't know you're going to get high vibrations. Yeah. You, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it because there's so many other variables that are damaging that high wall. Yeah. So whenever you've got bolt blasting, you know, main blast, okay, you're going to have a disturbed zone into that rock face. So some of the things we're doing uh, during my PhD, a guy called Chris Wendells, who worked at Dundee, I worked with him very closely doing his PhD because we helped each other on taking measurements and stuff, was when you bash the rock, you end up with a seismic slow zone. And what happens is the joints open up and then they've got little gaps in them. So if you want to put a sonic wave through it to measure sonic velocity, it has to go a backwards and forwards zigzag all over the place. That drops the, that increases the time it takes for sound to get from one point to another. So it decreases the sonic velocity of the rock mass. And you can measure these zones, and they go back fair ways, even from a four-inch hole. Uh, we were seeing uh, a dozen feet or so going back. So what you've got now is you've got all that rock that's shook up and it's loose in your high wall, and that's where you, you're coming into the problem. So that's where we, we use some of the perimeter control techniques um, to reduce that damage back or, say, disturbance and give you a better high wall. Now, one of the things is, is uh, basically thing why pre-splitting causes a lot of vibrations is whenever you get a, a hole and you don't have a face in front of it, okay, I've measured uh, about four times the vibration from that hole. And, uh, okay, Calconia measured five times the vibration because it, it, it's constipated, right? If you're sitting there on the pot, right, and you're constipated, <laughs> there's a lot of mm, yeah, going on. a lot of right? work. Rather than just easy whoosh. Right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's the same way in vibrations, right? I love the analogies, right? Oh, yeah, it's perfect. you got to explain it. you got to be able to get it. Minds, That's right. right. And the more raunchy it is, probably the, <laughs> the better. It's in the people's minds, but so they don't forget. And... Uh, so, uh, with a pre-split, you know, over the, uh, okay, in Europe, we usually shoot about, uh, the charge diameter is usually about a quarter over here of the hole. Over here, it's a bit more, probably a third. But uh, if you say a quarter of the hole, then if you're a pre-split charge, uh, it's got a sixteenth inch, a sixteenth of the explosive of a, a main blast hole, right? Um, Okay, but it's confined, right? Because it's got all this ground in front of it. So it's going to give you four times at least the ground vibration. So four pre-split holes are going to give the same vibration as a main blast hole at the same diameter, basically. So it's okay. So I'm teaching this on a short course. And, uh, uh, but I wasn't you know, about pre-splitting, but not talking about vibrations. So there's one guy there and he goes, oh yeah, we're gonna do this pre-splitting. I'm really interested in how to do this pre-splitting because I've got to do it, you know, when I get back. So he's real excited about it. 
and he goes off and it was a tower rock uh, in Missouri, a blaster. Saw him a couple months later and he goes, I goes, uh, I said, how how did that pre-split work? Oh, fantastic, great, worked perfectly. Said that it was the biggest ground vibrations we've ever had. You know, and Tower Rock at that point is, is a long way away from, you know, occasional farmhouse, right? Mm -hmm. And they got a seismograph out of the nearest farmhouse. And, uh, oh, it's the biggest ground vibration we ever had. I go, well, how many holes do you shoot? He goes, oh, 120. I said, well, did you split them up? He goes, no, shot them all instantaneously. <laughs> so you've got 120 holes, divide by four. Okay, it's 30. So it was like shooting a 30-hole shot with, with, <laughs> okay, all on the same line. Earthquake Ernie. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you got to split them up into small panels if you're close to people. It's uh, it's as simple as that. But you know, uh, sometimes you don't get all the information across. You really need to. <laughs> right. And you forget a little bit, and then somebody goes, "Whoa!" And you go, uh, <laughs> "You know, it's great for somebody like me because it's in my head, right?" Mm -hmm. But I think with everybody, the problem is is they talk to somebody, they don't realize that it's not in that person's head. And that person is not a mind reader. Mm -hmm. So that person doesn't have all the information that's available to you. Okay. And uh, so I think that's the most important thing about communication is you've got to understand that the person you're talking to doesn't have your knowledge. It's a very good point. Well, guys, uh, thank you again for doing another episode. Uh, doesn't even need to be said. I'm, I hope you guys have a good, safe flight home. But I, I really enjoy this, and I hope we, we can do this again. Right, sure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blast Report podcast. I want to thank the team at Blast Think for producing this show, and please follow along for more episodes in the future. And share this podcast with your colleagues so we can continue to honor our industry and the people in it. Be safe and have a blast.